Are you ready to unapologetically unleash your bold and define your life, money, and business? Define You Radio Class is in session with host the Southern Belle of Bold, Valencia Griffin Wallace, brings you the stories behind the glory. Hear from women and men who decided that life didn't define them. They were going to define themselves. Pen and papers ready. Class is now in session. All right, y'all cut out the dancing because this is a serious show. <laughs> Welcome. You know I, like, yeah, I know, I know. Welcome, everyone, to Define You Radio Classes in Session. I am your host, Valencia Griffin Wallace. If this is your first time listening, Welcome to class, and you can connect with the show at defineuradio.com. Tonight is a very special, hard-hitting, mic-dropping, real show. Um, May 24th, 1994, 23 years ago tomorrow, my mother, who was an addict, a drug user, was murdered. So this show comes on the heels of the anniversary of her of her death, which always puts me in a in a space. But tonight, you know, we're going to talk some real stuff. We're talking real stuff. We're talking about how people throw around the word junkie and crackhead. We we share videos and post pictures of of people with quote unquote cracked out lips and we laugh and we think it's funny. But if someone says a racial slur, right? If somebody says a racial slur or something like that, it's unacceptable. Where social media is in an uproar. You know, it, it's all of a sudden time to protest. But what we don't realize is that those actions, when you call somebody a junkie or, or a crackhead, it's just as harmful, not just to them but to society as a whole and surely to their children. Because every time I see it, I cringe. And the sad part is, I don't know the statistics. You guys could Google it. But I'm sure 100% of the people who post that stuff know someone who has been affected by drug use. It's going to be a serious class tonight, guys. I hope y'all ready. Um, so we're, ta- you know, we're talking about that. We're talking about the aftermath, uh, the aftershocks, because literally my world was shook. Okay. We're talking about the hurtful words and more, all these things that are associated and not associated with drug use. With that being said, uh, I'm introducing a great friend of mine who is an alum, alumni, whatever the correct terminology is of Define You Radio. She, you know, she's been on before, and a lot of people know her from social media, but don't quite know the back back of her story. So let me go ahead and bring Miss Precious Brown, Queen P, as I call her, to, to the mic, to the stage, Precious. Hey, Precious. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. First, before we get started, Queen V, 
Yes, ma'am. Um, I know that this is a tough topic for you. I know that this time of year is a gut-wrenching time, not only with Mother's Day being this month, but then the anniversary of the death of your mom. So I really commend you for being able to push through like you do year after year after year, especially during this time when everybody's celebrating mom and you are keeping your mom's memory alive by just talking about these topics. So I really wanted to commend you for that. The the next thing I want to say is, is there a group where we're having questions or am I just supposed to look on a thread? <laughs> if you guys um you guys could post uh you could either post on Define You Radio's Facebook page or if you have questions or comments, press one and we will get you on on the on the line. That'll probably be the easiest way. Um Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So. Thank you, Precious. You turn my tears into a smile because you know you got me with that. <laughs> with, you know, you have I'm to not, drop I'm the mic that. and stuff, you know. You always make me laugh. <laughs> I, got I know I know where your headspace is, so I, I can help you out right there. But Yay. good evening, everyone. Many of you may know me as Power Coach Precious. I am um, the founder of Kilgore Publishing, Powering You, where I help Authors, aspiring women authors in particular, um, to create masterpieces by writing their story and sharing their life's journey through the power of the pen, allowing them to shift from pain to power and becoming their best selves. That is what I do in a nutshell, but the show tonight, I believe, is going to be more about where I was before I got here. So... Mm. Just to give a backdrop, um, I was a teenage mother, and I married the person that I thought I would grow old and sit in McDonald's and drink coffee with. Um, We were friends, and we became husband and wife. In that process, there was a lot of things going on, and not just his mess, my mess too. Um, And in the mix, both of us became drug addicted. Um, But the focus tonight is going to be on mine as the mom. Um, I became addicted to cocaine. I had been smoking marijuana since I was 13. I was a functioning alcoholic. Um, And then on top of all of that, depression setting in. Dealing with childhood trauma, dealing with... um, infidelity and verbal abuse and being over-aggressive on my part. Um, and if you notice, I'm I'm very comfortable in accepting responsibility for what I've done. And that is how I've gotten to where I am. And with that being said, as Queen V would always say, um, <laughs> do you have any... <laughs> I don't want to no, I want I want us to to flow and you know cuz it's a it's a serious show and I just it just has to has to flow. So, yeah, we're good. And I I'm thank you so much for for saying that and I'm sure 
people that like know you and they hear, you know, like what Precious did drugs. I know they're probably like, what's the normal reaction you get when you tell somebody that? Because I know I was shocked and I think we had already knew each other before I even knew that about you. Mm -hmm. Um, the the main reaction I get is you lying, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that's because by the grace of God I don't look like what I've been through. Um, hmm. oh, most people think that I'm lying. Most are just in disbelief. Like I I can't see you because they see me now, and then the people right. that knew me before, you know, they knew that I smoked weed and that I drank but the cocaine piece they're like I just don't I'm not sure but that's what happens when when you can function through it that's what happens when you're good at keeping your quote unquote secret because people knew they just didn't want to believe and Hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't um, confirm or deny it it was just I was good. I went to work every day. I came home. I cooked for my children, but I got high. And little to me, and I say that lightly because Hmm. until recently, I never even realized how much it affected my children. Because I have have that conversation (laughs) that we had. I didn't think, you know, that I was do- I wasn't like the other crackheads. I wasn't mm. like the other junkies. But in essence, yes, I was. <laughs> I mean, I was taking money from the household, and I was using it to get high. I'm just like them. Um, mm. Did it ever come to us sleeping on, on, on the street? No, but it was darn near close. Um, did it ever come to me losing my children? No. But who's to say if I kept using that it wouldn't have happened? You know, so I don't put myself above anyone else that has been in that situation or has been a part of the drug scene or been addicted or is currently addicted because I know what they're going through. And most hmm. times, Nine and a half times out of ten, the drug use is coming from trying to numb the pain, whatever that pain is. Whatever that pain is, you're trying to numb it, and you're using, you're um, self-medicating with drugs, alcohol, it could be sex, it could be Shopping, it could be because I had all these addictions. I was a shopaholic, I was an alcoholic, I was a weedaholic, I was a cocaineaholic. I mean, you name it. And anything I could do so that I wouldn't feel the pain from childhood to that present moment, I would do it. Hmm. And because my kids didn't want for nothing, because I would write bad checks in order for them to get the things that they needed because I didn't use the money for drugs. You know, they didn't know that, but I did. Hmm. And all of that is just a perpetuating cycle because we don't want to sit still long enough to deal with the
the root cause, and that's some form of trauma that we just can't seem to wrap our heads around. Mm. I know, and you hit on so many points. I know after my mom was murdered, and I'm going to use that word so you guys understand the seriousness of the situation. I got Mm -hmm. her journals from rehab. Uh, One time, you know, my family, and I'm using air quotes, okay, made her go to rehab or she went to rehab. She wasn't there long. But after, you know, after she was murdered, I got, being the oldest, I got her journals from rehab. Reading those journals, I learned more about my mom then I had knew the 17 years because I was 17 years old, um, you know, but I learned more about her, the why, I guess, behind it. I, I saw and read in her words that childhood pain. Mm-hmm. So, of course, mm-hmm. as I always say, I have questions because when she was doing drugs, she was brushed off put aside, uh, dismissed very much by my family, even a little bit by me. But I was too Mm -hmm. young to understand how could she make this choice. Mm -hmm. But like I said, um, there were certain things I learned after her murder that started to, to make sense and not because I had questions then, but nobody wanted to answer them. Nobody wanted mm-hmm. to answer for the part that they played in. And at the end of the day, yeah, it was her decision to, to start drugs, you know. And I think I was maybe about four or five when she started. I don't know. I just remember she, there was moments when she wasn't high. So I can't say that I remember exactly when she started drugs. I just remember when those moments she wasn't high because it seemed like she was always high and then there were moments she wasn't. But I had questions mm-hmm. because I feel like if her pain was addressed, then maybe she would not have ended up the quote-unquote crackhead that was ostracized and 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 talked about and and mm-hmm. put out by her own family. Mm-hmm. Take it away, precious. <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> well, I I I want to um, give you this piece. And I think we've had this conversation slightly before, but understand that we began using because of the trauma. The addiction came when it when we began to just like it. Mm. Because, see, you go from the numbing piece to, because at one point I got high because I like to get high. It didn't have anything to do with, you know, what had happened. That was the gateway to it. But after a while, I liked it. So that's what I did. But coming out of using regularly, those emotions and feelings came back. So I want to tell you there may have been times when you say there was times that she wasn't hot. Those may have been the times. When she said, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to do this no more. I'm going to take care of my girls, and this is what it's going to be. And it was short-lived because then, 
all the memories flood back. All the things that happened comes back, and I'm right back where I was. I'm feeling bad. You know, everybody talking about me. Everybody is, I'm just going through. So I said that to say, don't think that um, people ostracizing your mom or people ostracizing drug addicts, period, is um, a form of them not really understanding. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to tread lightly because some families, and I can only speak for mine, some families just don't deal with stuff. Right. They just don't. You know, um, our parents grew up in an era where um, children were seen and not heard, and we came under that same thing. We came, they came in the era of what goes on in my house, stay in my house. We came under the same thing. And now we are becoming the life cycle breakers, so to speak, Mm. because talk about the elephants in the room. We talk about the drug addiction. We talk about the things that no one wants to talk about, okay? So in the family's view, it was she needs to deal with it. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm talking about my family. There were certain things that happened that it was like, oh, you know, it happened to me and I got over it. So you should be able to get over it. Mm. And because I didn't function in that manner, I chose to escape through other ways. Then that was my choice. I didn't become hardened. Because if you notice, a lot of our older women are hard. They don't show emotion. They don't, you know, talk about feelings. They don't talk about their past. They don't do any of that. And part of it is because they're hardened, because Hmm. things that happened to them, they didn't deal with it. No, they didn't. Some of them didn't go to drugs and alcohol, but what they did do, they became workaholics. They became became man hoppers. They became all these other things that also affected the children. Hmm. So when, when we talk about, Drug addicts being ostracized is is mainly because it's something that's being done that the family doesn't understand. Right. And it's something you could see. You know, if somebody's sleeping around or doing whatever else, a lot of times you can't see that. Um, Right. You hear about it. Right. There's no, quote, unquote, confirmation of it but I know with with my mom and I just want to kind of like pause and and tell you thank you because you know that I told you my meeting you talking to you and dealing with you helped me to understand her Mm -hmm. better Mm -hmm. and once I was able to understand her that long before she started doing drugs she was a person with, Mm -hmm. with dreams and hopes and and I dealt with some of the same stuff that my mom did growing up and I was mad Mm. at her because I was like why wasn't she strong enough because I was I was I looked at it like I was so strong I could take it I could deal with it you know I could dish it out um but truthfully and I've said this in in um 
I know me and me and you have discussed this before. Truthfully, if it wasn't for lack of me trying to get high, but I didn't like it, and I love that you hit on that. I didn't like it. I got paranoid um, smoking weed. It was it went all the way left, and I knew me having a drug life. It was not that was not the thing. But I thank mm-hmm. God for that because I do have or had uh, two addict parents. And then, mm-hmm. and I posted the commercial on Facebook the other day, that uh, commercial that says uh, parents who do drugs have kids who do drugs. So I knew I was going to be a drug user because the doggone commercial between my cartoons said it. <laughs> my doggone family said it. That I was going to be just mm-hmm. like my mama. Everybody said it. So, of course, I tried to get high. Mm-hmm. But see, your defense mechanism was because everybody said it, I'm right. going to make sure it doesn't happen. Right. And that was that was your defense. I talk about that a little bit in Transition 2. And uh, shameless plug, Transition 2 dropped. <laughs> it's not because I'm in it, so <laughs> plug away. <laughs> but um, I talk about that in a piece where I'm talking about um, – how I became promiscuous, and after the first time my heart was broke, I mm. vowed not another man would hurt me like that. And I talk about the things that I started to do. And when you put up that barrier and you that is that subconscious determination, when you say, oh, no, this won't happen, mm. you'll be amazed at how well, you walk that thing out. And because you set up that guard, you were already on alert. Like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Right. And so subconsciously, your body was like, oh, no, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. And that was the barrier that saved you. And I believe when, and I I believe my sister, my youngest sister is on, and she can tell you, um, it, it, or she may not know, but I can remember times when she would come over and I would be getting high. And mm. she'd be like, what are you doing? You know, screaming at outside the bathroom door trying to get me to hurry up. Come on, we about to go do this or that or the other thing. And I'm in the bathroom getting high. And I shared that because just as close as we were, we a sheer door in between us, I went above and beyond to keep my secret so that I wouldn't be judged, so that I wouldn't have to explain how I got to this point. And I can only imagine now that my children are grown, I fully understand how much that affected them. I see my girls make some of the same decisions when it comes to men that I made with their dad. I see Mm. my sons make some of the same decisions that I know stem from seeing the type of parents they had in the home. So those of you that are using, those of you that contemplated, those of you that um, have thought about it or have just quit, 
and you have children, know that they are watching your every move. They're Mm -hmm. watching it. And a lot of them may not be mentally and emotionally strong enough to put up that barrier, to make it through. And that was one of the things you said, V, was why wasn't she strong enough? She was strong enough in her own right. She was strong enough to deal with the things that she dealt with. But on the flip side of that, the way she chose to handle the situation was different. She was strong enough to deal with it because she came through. She was still alive. Right. But after the incident, after the 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 traumas, is where the breakdown came from. And mm-hmm. and unless you've been a user on some hard stuff, you won't even begin to understand one the craving that your body has once it has used that thing, and two the mindset when you go into it. You just want it to stop. Whatever that is, whatever your it is, whether it's pain, whether it's the voices in your head, whether it's the everyday, you know, relationship issues, whatever that it is for you, you just want it to stop. And your way of getting it to stop because when you're on drugs, your 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 mind is altered. Your mind is altered, and you're not logically thinking. So you're not thinking about the hurt, the pain, the lies, the cheating. The you're not thinking about none of that. The loss of the money. The you're not thinking about those things. So you're in a good space. It's not until your high wear off that you understand the ramifications of what you've done. Mm. And then that sends you back into the spiral because now, oh, my God, where am I going to get the money from to replace that? And it just Mm. is a vicious cycle. It is a vicious cycle. But one thing I want to tell those that are listening, know that if, if you've had parents that were on drugs or if you yourself is a parent that was on drugs or is on drugs, just know that the drug use is not because they don't love you. Hmm. Know that the drug use has nothing to do with you as the child. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. It is not your fault. You did not drive them to it. Nothing you said or did drove them to it. It's not you. It would take place even if you were not here. Mm. I know, number one, thank you for that, for, you know, everybody that's listening, that may be me, right? That may be the child of an addict. Um, I didn't internalize it that way, like it was my fault. But I internalized it in the in the way of my mama weak. You know, I thought she was strong. I thought she loved us. You know, it, 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 I internalized it enough to externalize it and express it as anger. 
because mm-hmm. I no longer could be a child. Because why? Val was responsible to let mama pawn her stuff, you know, because my mm-hmm. mama would come to me some moments and, you know, Val, I need to take your bracelet or take your stereo because we don't have food in the house. And even though I was, I knew, like I knew she, I knew she wasn't going to go buy food with my stuff, but I couldn't tell her, no, this was my mama. So hopefully taken from her child would make her do right. Did it? No. Mm-mm. My stuff would just be gone. And it was, it's, it's crazy. Like I said, you could, I was so angry because how am I responsible? I'm talking about second, third grade mama and, you know, my stepdad would be going days at a time. So I had to find mm-hmm. food where there was none for my sister and my stepsister. You know, even when I talked about uh, when I joined the gang, I was in fifth, sixth grade. That was protection. I didn't have a choice, and I don't regret it. So it's, it's, I'm hard and soft at the same time. You can't go through stuff like that. I didn't get a childhood. That's probably why people think I'm my only child now, you know, because I'm, I'm getting to enjoy the things I didn't get to enjoy as a kid because I didn't have time to be a kid because I had to figure out how to put something together so my sister stopped crying about being hungry. Right. Right. So, yeah. And see, for, for, for my children, it wasn't um, to that extreme. Again, I was a functioning addict. I went to work. I went to school. I went, you know, I came home. I tended to them. Um but in the same sense, I would use the bulk of my check to get high. Right. You know, so it, it it was a paycheck in between what you went through and what my children went through. It was mm-hmm. literally a paycheck. And so do I say that I'm better? Absolutely not, because it was wrong. I took them through a lot of things. I think one day my, my kids, my oldest son said, Mama, I think we have went to every school in Indianapolis because we moved every every few months. So, no, we weren't homeless, but we were like nomads. We didn't even unpack good and we were moving again because we don't have the rent money, you know, and I would make up a story of whatever on why we had to move or, you know, and the kids were good with we with mom and dad, you know. So they had it wasn't a fend for yourself type of thing, but we they did have the dysfunction, the constant moving, the changing of schools, not really having friends because, you know, they were always going to a different school. They never grew roots, and that is something that I have had to deal with, you know, as ever since I began this journey because I have had to – come to the realization of the error of my way. And, again, I can only give glory where glory is due, and that's to God because he brought me through that in order to be here to help someone else. Have you, since since we're talking about, you know, your kids, and I know the discussion we had um, a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. have you had a discussion with your kids now about then and how they felt what they went through, so on and so forth. Have you 
had a discussion with them specifically about how they were affected by your drug use? Um, I have. And for the most part, the oldest one, she didn't know because she wasn't in the house regularly. She has a different Mm -hmm. mom. Um, And then the three that were in the house, um, my oldest girl, she didn't even really, she was trying to do her own thing. So she didn't really realize it. The oldest boy, he said he knew something was off, but he wasn't sure what. Um, And the one that I believe that it affects the most is the youngest boy. And um, we actually just had this conversation the other day, and I had to apologize to him for that lifestyle because, again, I didn't realize the effects that my behavior had on him. And right now today he is struggling, struggling to stay sober. Mm. So, and that's what brought the conversation up. Um, Just with dealing with him and the urges because that it, it was a norm in our household. It, it was a norm. So for him not to do it is not normal. You know what I'm saying? Because right. in his mind, this was the thing to do. So now to hear me who did it say, son, that's not something that you want to do. That's not the road that you want to take. It's almost like you hypocrite. You know what I mean? So trying to get him to understand why. And the only way I can do that, and and he and I talk regularly about this, because I want him to understand that when your son gets older, do you want him in this space? Hmm. Because at some point... to break the cycle. The cycle has to be broken. Now, has he smoked weed? Absolutely. I'm talking the hardcore drugs. <clears throat> not I'm not negating that marijuana is a is a drug. But I'm saying, you know, the things to make you steal, kill, and destroy. You know hmm. what I mean? Right. So trying to keep him sober-minded in that aspect, it is a, definitely a challenge. And it and I attest it to the environment. The environment, it wasn't much that we hid from our children. Some say mm-hmm. that's good, some say that's bad. It really depends on the perspective of the parent. Me, at where I am now in life, I believe some of it was an error of judgment, whereas some of it was needed. For instance, and I'll just give this as an example, um, I did not sugarcoat sex with my children. Mm-hmm. Now, did they see stuff in the household? No, but we had open conversations. I taught my sons how to use condoms. I, you know, I talked to my girls about birth control because those weren't things that I was taught. 
and in turn, I was a teenage mom. Now, on the flip side of that, both of my girls are teenage moms trying to break the life cycle. And it's the same thing with drug addiction. Once you And I told them a long time ago, once you get a taste of it, it can take control. It takes control because that seed has already been planted. And all you did is watered it. And if it grows faster than you can dig up the seed, it's a good mm. deal. That's a, a – I could only imagine um, – because, of course, I see it from the the child's adult child, however you want to phrase it, point of view. And, guys, if you have questions or comments, I am opening the line tonight. Feel free to press 1 on your phone. If you're listening online, you can comment on, you know, Precious has it posted. It's posted on my page or Define You Radio's Facebook page, whatever you are comfortable with, because we can't stop something, can't something that we won't address. Absolutely. You know, um, once I got past that anger of, of my mom, you know, the anger of what I feel like she decided to do, like she didn't care about us. I mean, really, that kind of sums up how I felt. I had to pull those moments that I do remember when she wasn't high in Mm -hmm. order for me to forgive her, understand her, and appreciate who she was. She was not just a a junkie or just a crackhead. She was not Mm -hmm. that. That was something she did, but that's not Mm -hmm. who she was. I mean, before the drugs took over, my mom had a poem published, you know, mm-hmm. before she was such an amazing person. But sometimes those demons that you want to dress will will eat it up. And I'm pretty sure people that know people that know me, if I need to say it, I'm going to say it good, you know, pressure bus pipes, you know, and mm-hmm. especially when it comes to, to issues uh, dealing with my family, because I do see. Or, or I have read that that was the root of my mom's issues. I will mm-hmm. address it. I will see it for what it is and, and, and call it out. And we could have a discussion because maybe seeing things through my eyes, I saw it wrong. But I will ask my auntie, what made you feel okay with calling your sister a crackhead? I have questions. Mm-hmm. And that's a question that has not been answered. But I didn't dwell on it because, simple fact, I feel better because I did ask the question. I made it known that I saw what you did. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's, look, that's a whole other show, you know. But mm-hmm. I wasn't going to hold it in because I want you to know that this is your sister. And I don't, you know, I just have one sister and she's not on on drugs and I'm not. But I know my aunt, who I'm referring to, you know, me and my sister ended up having to go live with when, when, when things got, when, you know, when my mom was living in a crack house, because it did get that serious. So we were sent mm-hmm. to live with family out of obligation. Let me stress that. 
out of obligation. We were sent to live with family. So the talk of the crackhead in the family, it wasn't no longer words that were whispered outside. I was hearing it daily. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's look, that's my two, three cents on on that. So when Precious said earlier about kids um, knowing, I knew, mm-hmm. I knew the whispers. I knew what was said and I was embarrassed that that was my mom. What can I say to defender? I mean, they were saying the truth. Right. And when you said about um, I was going to say when you said about you know when you enjoyed to when you enjoy you enjoyed it after you know when you you got that feeling the door was open and you enjoyed it. 3 weeks before my mom died and I think me and you talked about this some people know, mm-hmm. but three weeks before my mom died, me and her had a conversation because she told me what to say at her funeral, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into that because then the show will be over because I'll be crying. But long story short, her exact one, one of the things she said to me was that she enjoyed doing drugs. And she said, regardless of that, she still loved her girls. That was exactly mm. what that was part of what she wanted me to say at her funeral. Mind you, this was three weeks before she was murdered. So th- it, she wasn't sick, but three weeks before she was murdered, she told me what to say at her funeral. And I was like, Mom, why don't you just stop? Why don't you just stop? Because, you know, to me, it makes sense. You don't you know, it's not good. Why don't you just stop? And she was like, I enjoy getting high. Mm-hmm. Precious, the mic is yours. Um, Why don't you just Believe me when I tell you She had that conversation with herself Hmm. Believe me I tell you Um, I had that conversation with myself I would talk to God while I was getting high Wow Like what's wrong with me Why can't I just stop And it is Such a strong craving on your body, that's the only way I can describe it, is a, such a strong craving. I mean, like, it's almost overpowering to the point mm. of that's the only thing you can think about until you do it. And then mm. once you do it, you're fine. And it it just, it, it's just a, a cycle that, it starts out with covering up the pain, then it goes to I really like this space that I'm in. I don't mm. have to think about anything. I have to, all I have to do is function enough to get, you know, what I need done, and then I can go and boost myself back up again. And then it's time to go to sleep, and we get up and do it all over the next day. It is never a point of it doesn't it at some point it doesn't it is unconscious that you do it it's not as deliberate i mean you could be somewhere and somebody could say something about it and you, it's like you got bat ears you can hear them talking about it in a whole nother section of the house and you're like oh i'm right. go back here and you don't even know what's going on you just, oh, I'm i'm going that way but, you know, so don't think that that conversation wasn't in her head, too. Like, why can't I just stop? Mm. Why can't I stop? 
Hold so on, Queen P. We have a um, we have a caller. Hold on one second. Area code eight one zero. You're on Define You Radio. Welcome. Thank you. I have a question, Precious. Yes. How is it if you feel that you were strong enough to you were strong enough to fight through being able to get up every day, being able to work, being able to run a household? If you could fight through that, why do you think that you couldn't at that particular point fight through to be able to fight that urge. Because, I mean, all, in all honesty, we have another sister. And just looking at the parallels, you see the difference in, in one, being able to fight through to the point where, you know, you still have a household, you still have whatever, versus the alternative. So if you could, if you had that fight, I'm just asking, like, why do you feel like you didn't have the fight at that point to fight the urge and you did and and just you did a damn good job you know just for me you did a good because I didn't know so I'm just asking like how did you how was you able to fight that much but not fight enough to fight through or fight over it 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 was easier to it was easier to get high and fight through everything else. And and Venus, you that for those that don't know, that's my little sister, Venus. And you were there. You knew what the relationship was like. You knew what the home life was like, up mm-hmm. close and personal. And it was easier to deal with everything that was going on high than it was to not. So at mm. that point in the relationship, it was just easier for me to make that fight being elevated. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until after the break, after the split, did I say, okay, now you need to get your mind right all the way. I mean, I, oh. I, I went through that struggle a lot in the relationship. But it wasn't until after the split that I knew 100% that I needed to go gun-ho and make that fight to break free of that bondage of the drug use. Yeah, I just, I just, it was just easier for me to fight that fight being in a, a, the mindset of being high. It just was. Why? Exactly, I'm not sure. But for me, mm-hmm. in that situation, it was easier. And that sounds oh. crazy to a lot of people, I'm sure. But that's just how it was. That is the way I functioned. Okay. Thank you so much, ma'am. <laughs> Thank you. If anybody else have any other any questions or comments, feel free to press 1. And we'll get you on the radio That was a, a great question Precious and a, and a great Answer because if we even Look at when I talked about when I Attempted to Get high hold on we have Another caller thank you guys So much um, for the love And everything so hold on let me get The other caller on Area code 213 Go ahead hey Hi hello this is Elaine Clark I'm calling from Inglewood, California, and I just would like to commend Precious, first of all, 
for showing her her authentic self and standing oh. in. <laughs> you got me now, precious. <laughs> mm-hmm. In in a place to where she can be exposed and vulnerable, and which is mm-hmm. a good thing because there are people on the line who are listening to you, and at some point or another they hear what you're saying. And at this purpose is to help someone. Mm-hmm. And there is Absolutely. not just one person, but there's many. And I appreciate you being authentic. I appreciate you exposing yourself. I appreciate you being vulnerable and open. Uh, one thing I would like to say, and the caller had said, how is it that you could uh, function in your addiction? And, mm-hmm. and and help me help me uh, to understand this uh, clearly or better is that while functioning in your addiction, you were in a place where that was the way for you to cope, and it was your coping Absolutely. skills. And had you not been in the addiction and functioning just to be uh, uh, um, sober, that meant that you had to deal with many realities, and sometimes Absolutely. we don't want deal with the reality because it's more painful. So Mm -hmm. the addiction medicates. It medicates and it helps you to function. And there are many functional addicts that are out there that are getting up in the morning going and working. And they're functioning because they don't want to deal. They don't want to deal. I appreciate that. And maybe you can uh, talk about it a little more to give others a better understanding as to how you're functioning and if you can function then why how come you couldn't let it go um and and that that is great that question is a very it is it is it, it, and it it's a very good point elaine because it is it, it you you said it perfectly it was easier to function in dysfunction Mm-hmm. And to be in reality, it, it just was. Um, the pain was so unbearable. Here is somebody. I was married. Just for those that don't know, I was married to the person that I thought was the love of my life. We had been together since we were 19 years old. He cheated on me every single day of our relationship. Mm-hmm. I still have kids coming out the woodwork, and we've been divorced for eight years. Okay, so. Dealing with that, dealing with not having enough, dealing with being the backbone of the family, dealing with, you know, still not dealing with my childhood trauma, still dealing with um, raising children, still going through the the issues that we were dealing with with my uh, my bonus daughter's mom. You know, just it was just so much. It was uh, easier to cope in dysfunction, and that okay. dysfunction was being high than mm. it was. I believe my that was my coping me- mechanism, but I really, truly believe I would have had a nervous breakdown uh-huh. had I not been because it was just so much. It was uh-huh. so much, so many different places that I wouldn't have been able to stand on my own or get to this point without medicating because mm-hmm. either I would have been psychotropic from a doctor who would have made me a zombie 
Because I tried that too. I went to counseling, got Zoloft and Prozac, and I was walking around like a zombie. I mean, so it it was one or the other, and I just functioned better with the illicit drugs. Mm. Yes, thank you. Great. For that. You'll help somebody. Thank, thank, thank you. you, caller. Wow. That time went by fast. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It, it, that time it, went it, by. it it does because this is such a topic that needs to be discussed and mm-hmm. to me it's more powerful when you look at people on the other side mm-hmm. you know because I never forget when um Miss Stephanie you know you met her at the event last year but when uh-huh. Stephanie first met me she was like uh Valencia I could tell that you were raised in a good solid family and you know your mom must really be proud and I was like well actually and then I dropped the mic uh because we do have you know society has a whole stigma and what they think it looks like you know if I was out selling drugs or my body or or went all the way left. Now, mind you, I did go through some destructive behaviors, but that stubbornness in me was too strong to prove that commercial right. Mm-hmm. That stubbornness mm-hmm. in me was, was too strong to prove uh, the the family that said I was just, I was going to be just like my mom. I was too stubborn to prove them right. Mm-hmm. So you know how people say, you know, you got to prove them wrong, prove them wrong type thing. It wasn't about mm-hmm. proving anything except that I'm more too stubborn to accept what you say. Right. Or to ex- ex- accept that. Um, so, you know, as we get, you know, towards the, the end of, of the show, I want to, number one, thank you. And I want what advice would you give someone that's dealing with drug abuse right now? Mm. I would suggest to that person, to my old self, because that's Mm. who I would be talking to, um, to put your life in perspective. If what you've gone through or what you're going through hurts that bad to where you have to medicate it, think of what you need to do in order to change it. Mm. Because life isn't about pain. Life isn't about walking in a fog. Life isn't about just allowing things to happen. Life is about living abundantly. And in order to do so, we have to start by putting our life in perspective. And what some people may say, zoom out and look at the big picture. See what it is. Frame what it is that you want to see so that it can be. Mm. And that's Thank what I you. would tell old me. <laughs> what I would tell the old me Uh, that angry, not understanding daughter. Uh, Hold on. We have one more comment. And guys, you know, it's it's my show. So if we run past an hour and you decide to hang on, 
I'm good. So hold on. Uh, we have a, a caller. Hold on one second. Area code two two five. That's my area code. In case you guys were wondering, area code two two five. Go ahead, please. <laughs> okay. Good evening, ladies. And I would just like to say hats off to both of you. Uh, I am Valencia's aunt. And she's our Oprah Oprah of our family. I love her so much. And I do want to let you know that, you know, I knew her mom before the drugs and all of that. And she was an excellent mother. She was an excellent person. She was sweet. She, and she never stopped loving you all. Mm. And I I just Mm. felt like I had to say that. Because I think Thank about you. her all the time. We had a special relationship. I'm sorry. You got it. Okay. We had a special relationship. You know, I remember her sitting and singing to us and all the good things that was about her. So she was more than just a drug addict. She was a human being. And she was a person. Mm-hmm. And I loved her very much as she loved us. And don't you ever, ever think that she didn't love you. And Thank you, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so I'm going to get Angel. off this line because <laughs> I can't contain myself. I'm a horrible guest. I love you and thank you for all you say and do because somebody's listening needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know what that's like. I was blessed not to have to go through that, but I hate that I never knew my nieces was going through that till it was too late. Because I feel like I, it was something I could have done. But hats off to you, ladies. And I'm sure your mom would be proud because we are. I know I am. So I am hey, your really? cheerleader. <laughs> no so I'm get off the line. And I love you. you I love you too. Bye. Okay. And mm. let me clarify, guys. That is, uh, that's my dad's. That was my dad's sister. Uh, so when she say she didn't know, and I and I love her. I love her because it's it's conversations with her that I could hear those those moments about my mom that I didn't know. So mm-hmm. I want to say thank you, Auntie, and you know I I love you. And just thank you. So, uh, woo. Okay. So, <laughs> with that being said, uh, what was I going to say? If you are the child, if you are the child, if you are the child of an an addict, if you are me, if I'm talking to me, what I would say is remember that your parent is a person. They were mm-hmm. a person before they had you. They were, they're a person with feelings. They're a person that have to deal with some stuff. Remember those moments when they weren't high. I don't care if it's just 30 seconds out of your life. Get to know, talk to people like my aunt, you know, uh, well, y'all can't talk to her, but find somebody you can talk to who knew them before who could help you know and remember those moments because it will help you better to understand who they are and forgive them see I've forgiven my mom which took a long time and I understand her and now when I do stuff 
I let it be known I am who I am because of her. Because it had to be something in her DNA for me to be who I am today. And for that, I will forever be grateful. Mm. Precious. If the callers want to connect with you, (laughs) how can they do that? Uh, They can connect with me on any social media platform at Just Precious B. Um, You can also meet me in the a masterpiece. The masterpiece gallery is a Facebook group that I have created for those that are aspiring writers or women in general that just need some inspiration, motivation, and encouragement to be empowered and live their best best life. And I am also on. I have a page. Um, create or pin a masterpiece. Um, make sure you like that page. So social media is where I am most of the time. And when I'm not, it's because I have unplugged. <laughs> so that's how that rolls. Yay. Uh, thank you so much, Precious. I knew this show, this discussion could only happen with you. You know, so I just want to oh. thank you with that. I know, You're my welcome. queen P. Guys. Thank you for Yay. Make sure now all of Precious information you could, um, it's on the show notes if you're listening online. It will also be on Define You Radio's Facebook page. With that being said, guys, if you enjoyed tonight's class, if you learned something, if you got something from it, let us know on Define You Radio's Facebook page. I'm dropping that again. Like the page, love it, share it, just comment, let me know what you thought. Inbox if you have private thoughts, whatever, just stay connected. You're not in this alone. Because in all my boldness and my queenness, at the end of the day, I know where I came from, and I came from that. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play. Let me add that, too. If you want to learn more about defining your life, you could join us in Define You Movement, where class is in session, real raw, and 100% queen-like, seven days a week on Facebook. As usual, guys, I close with the quote, and this one is one I just made up in my head, but I loved it. My past or DNA doesn't define me. It is what I learned from it and what I do with that knowledge that empowers me. With that being said, guys, pens and papers down. Class is officially over. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, honey.